the Cambridge Marketing Podcast with Kiran Kapoor. Brought to you by Cambridge Marketing College. See their range of courses and apprenticeships at marketingcollege.com. Hello and welcome. This week we are talking all about data and using data for insights. And my guest is Shamir Devasu, who is the co-founder of Smart Panda Labs and is speaking to us from sunny Florida. Shamir, before we start, go on, tell us what the weather's like there because it's very cold here in Cambridgeshire. <laughs> it's lovely here. It's a, it's a lovely 55 degrees Fahrenheit here right now. It's sunny and clear. <laughs> <laughs> you say that companies need to create a 360 view of their customers. What do you mean by that? Ultimately, we want to make the customer center of the experience, right? We, we really want to understand who they are, where they are in their journey, um, what's important to them. And that requires a lot of information from a lot of different sources. So that 360-degree uh, view is, is really about how do we consolidate all that information from all those different sources so that we have one source of truth that says, here's everything we need to know about this customer. And, and that can be challenging because it is across different systems at different points of experience. So it really takes some planning to, to create that view. And presumably it's complicated because of all the ways customers can contact us. Exactly. Um, you've got obvious digital means. So whether they're engaging with an email, a text message, a website, a landing page, um, a mobile app. But then you've also got the non-digital means as well. So you may have a storefront. They may um, pick up the phone and, and call it, contact a call center. And the customer uh, doesn't understand that there's operational issues behind that, that those are all different departments using different systems and don't care, and nor should they. Um, their is saying, hey, I, I already talked to someone. I already gave you this information on the, the mobile app or on the website. Why are you asking me for this again? You know, why don't you know what I bought? Why don't you know what my issue is? And therein comes the challenge. The customer has an expectation, but if you're not set up to meet the expectation by having that view of the customer, they're going to be very disappointed. Okay, so a 360 view is understanding all those transactions and all the times customers have contacted you. Is that right? That's exactly it. Okay, I know what that's like. I run a business. So you've got customers coming in from social media. You've got them coming in for using your live chat, emailing, phoning, and obviously purchasing. So how do you pull all that together? Understanding what your goal is. So one of those goals is creating that 360 degree view of the customer and then saying, how do we orchestrate the stack to be able to meet that goal? So a key component of that, a lot of organizations use is a customer data platform or CDP. Uh, those platforms are designed specifically to take in these disparate pieces of information from a CRM system, a marketing automation system, uh, a point of sale system, uh, a number of others to create kind of a key ring wherein it, it identifies the customer and says, here are all the different points that this customer is involved in. You can then take that consistent view and push it out to another system so that it's accessible so that someone calls the call center, they can bring up this view of this is Shamir, you know, this is the last time he called, this is the information he's given us on the website, you know, this is his profile on the mobile app or what have you that can be shared across multiple systems. Are there customer data platforms you buy commercially or are they something you have to create? How do these CDPs come about? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, to be honest, you, you could do either way. Uh, 
I, I'd probably, for most cases, recommend someone buy them commercially. Um, there are a number of different providers of customer data platforms out there. Um, and they've already laid the groundwork of creating integrations with those other MarTech systems. Um, they can also handle custom integrations with perhaps proprietary systems that uh, an organization use. But they already integrate with all the, the big players in the market when it comes to marketing automation, when it comes to CRM. So because they've already created those integrations, they're already maintaining those integrations. It becomes a lot easier to commercially adopt that and then use that to be in, to um, have all those systems link up so that you can have that central view without having to do the heavy lifting of saying, how do we make these two systems talk? How do we align the different data points across these systems? And now internally, you have to maintain that if you develop it yourself. So there's some commercial platforms you can use. So I've got all this data and I'm not sure what to do with it. Having pulled it together, then what do I do? Yeah, it's a good, really good question. And that's a, that's a piece a lot of organizations have struggled with. Ultimately, it's, it's two things. Um, on the one hand, you want to service the customer. So you want to make sure that, that information is available to the appropriate people so the customers can get the support they need. So we talk about the call center or uh, even the, the customer service rep at a storefront so that they can bring up the customer's history and understand how to best help them with an issue or problem and help them resolve that quickly as possible. Um, the other side of that is you want to improve that customer's experience. So here's an opportunity to take that data, to begin to analyze it, look for insights in terms of understanding this customer, or maybe more accurately, this subset of customers, this particular uh, customer segment, understand their interaction points, what information is relevant to them, and then take that and use that to then test improvements to the experience. So how can we change the website to make it more relevant to the customer? How can we change our digital communications to make those more relevant to the customer? Um, and then you can experiment, use that data to iterate and make consistent improvements. Okay, one of the things you talk about is that you need to listen beyond just the customer words, but to try to listen and understand their story. And I'm assuming this data helps you do that, but I also want to understand what that means. Yeah, that, no, that's a really good um, point because it's, it's so hard with, with people. We, can, we like things simple, but we can be very complicated when it comes to, to how we shop and, and how we interact with brands. Um, you know, we're not linear. We, we don't go in a very straightforward way. Um, but ultimately, there's some problem that we're trying to solve in our experience to, to make a particular purchase. And it's one thing to gather information about, okay, what image they click on this email. And those things can be valuable, uh, but it's not telling you their story. It's not telling you what challenge or issue they're truly trying to solve. So just like anything else, data is as much an art as it is a science. So the science is taking in those data points. Um, where are they interacting? What are they doing with those interactions? But then art to it as well, understanding what the combination of those, of those interactions mean. It means gathering qualitative data as well, so uh, surveys and feedback, um, those conversations that are happening with a customer service rep, are they detailing those interactions, uh, and then using all that to kind of say, okay, this is what Shamir is trying to accomplish. This is his story, this is issue and challenge. So how do we help him complete that story? Um, how do we help him overcome that issue and challenge? And how can our product be a good fit for that? Can you give an example? Sure. Um, so uh, we think about a, a client that we have uh, in the higher education space, and um, you've got an issue where someone's going in, they're trying to take a, a particular course. It's just a, maybe a one or two day course to help improve their skills. 
Now, on the surface, it's just saying, okay, what subject matter does this person want to learn about? Um, okay, they're trying to learn about finance. That's perhaps the search that came in on. And um, they go to a, you know, courses that we have on, on finance and improving your skills in finance. That's very quantitative. That's very um, black and white. Understanding the person's story and, and maybe beginning to interact with them and get feedback on that person may uh, reveal insights into the fact that this person is trying to get a promotion at their job. Uh, they're trying to improve their career. Um, they're trying to make more money to, to provide for their family. And, and those things are going to change how that product is positioned, what kind of course is most appropriate for them, um, the value proposition of the course in terms of what it can do for their career. Uh, all those things just change the, the, the messaging that comes from a marketing standpoint to say, this is the best fit for you, and this is how we drive that fit. So it's very much trying to read behind someone's actions. Exactly. And then you said earlier that having got the data that you then experiment by changing the way you talk to this person or perhaps the messages on the website. How does that side of it work? So from that standpoint, um, let's take the same example we just talked about, right? So that it's the person searching for the finance class. Well, now all of a sudden the messaging about the class, the headline maybe shouldn't be um, learn more about finance. The headline should be, um, you know, get your next promotion. Um, you know, by, by improving your skills. So by testing that has perhaps a, a subject line in an email, um, you can then measure and say, okay, this is how things have changed. And now this person is all of a sudden not, not bouncing off this page, but they're staying on it. They're absorbing more information. Uh, they're more likely to add this course to their cart. Um, they're more likely to, to open the email communication, whatever the case is. And those kinds of things give you reads that, hey, this is working. This this change in messaging is working. It's it's better resonating with this particular audience segment. And, and now you have a chance to, to, to begin to iterate on the experience. Yes, I can see that makes sense. In your experience, when people are making changes, how long should they give it to see an impact? Is there anything you should try and that you message them once or twice and then you try something else? Or do you say consistent for a few weeks to see if you have understood their story? No, that's a good question. Um, so typically what we recommend is actually using some um, experimentation framework to do that. Let's use the example of this happening on some kind of landing page. Um, you're going to randomly show that communication to um, to the audience. 50% are going to see the, the standard baseline version. 50% are going to see this variation or any variations that you're interesting. And the, the experimentation software will be able to measure those interactions and we're able to do statistical calculations to say, with significance, we can definitively say that this variation performed better than the baseline. That way, it's not an issue of kind of saying, well, let's run this for two or three or four weeks and see what works better. You can actually measure in real time and stand with confidence, statistical confidence, that this variation is working better and therefore notes you should be using moving forward. That was really clear, thanks. So Shamir, how did you get into this part of marketing? You work for Smart Panda Labs, which is a wonderful name, but how did you get into this side? You know, it's funny, it's kind of by accident. Um, so I, uh, in my career, I worked with uh, NBC Universal for a period of time, and I was actually brought on at a time when the internet was really starting to become this, this bigger thing. It, it was starting to become an integral part of a business and people need to figure out how are we going to manage this and, and really use this to grow the business. Um, so one day my, my boss came to me and at the time my, my job was working with travel partners, partners like Expedia, Travelocity. 
and he came to me and said, um, uh, you're not going to work on the website. Uh, and your, your first project is going to be, we're, we're evaluating tools to, to do this thing called web analytics. Um, you need to help us evaluate these tools and make a selection and then implement these new tools. Um, so that was my first foray into uh, online marketing at the time, what was interactive marketing, um, working with what was then called Omniture, which today is Adobe Analytics, and uh, selecting that and implementing that and just seeing the amount of data that was available, um, what you could do with that data, what could be measured. Um, it really intrigued me and, and I've been hooked ever since. Yes, I can imagine there was a sudden explosion of the amount of data you could get because of the web analytics. Yeah, exactly. It was it was pretty incredible. I, I still remember those early experiences and, and just see what could be captured on a person. It was just so fascinating to be able to see that kind of data, to see it in real time. You know, if, if someone's been in marketing for any period of time, you remember the days of running TV and radio ads and, and targeted rating point. And ultimately, you're just guessing. I mean, you're, you're kind of just throwing a dart against the board and, and, and hoping kind of hit the right audience at the right time. And and, and hoping you saw some kind of surge in traffic. But to be able to see in real time, you know, a person saw this ad and they clicked on this ad and they came to the website and they added this to the cart and they purchased this product. Um, it was such a game changer. And to actually kind of live through that transition and change was just remarkable. Yes, I mean, I can remember, um, maybe it's sound ancient, I can remember sort of sticking adverts in newspapers <laughs> and you, the people clipped the coupons and then the coupons came back and then you registered yeah. which coupons from which newspaper had been clipped and that told you, you know, that you probably need to advertise in that newspaper again in the next sort of three weeks, you know, <laughs> real yeah. time didn't really come into That was real time. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. So, yes, from going from that, this I can see literally in real time what people are doing and who doing what and how they're trying to communicate with us and we end up with this plethora of data so I think my other question is how very how to choose what is relevant data because you must end up with that it's the signal and the noise isn't it you must end up with a huge amount of noise that isn't useful yeah for sure and I think the trick there is having a very lean focus on your data so saying that's let's focus on capturing what's actionable so let's focus on capturing points that can that can give me an indication of what I should do, of what action I should take. There's all kinds of interesting tidbits, like you mentioned, things that are maybe fascinating or, or curiosities. But when you ask yourself, okay, that's that's interesting, I know that, like, what am I gonna do with that? If the answer is like, I don't know, well, um, you know, focus on the data points that are gonna actually tell you something that's actionable. Um, so that way you're focusing on, you know, is the person making it to a certain place in the cart? How many people are, are adding to that cart? How many people are viewing it? Um, how many people are actually, um, uh, you know, converting, what's their average order size? So those key pieces of information that are really valuable to you that you can say, okay, well, how do we increase the average order size? Well, begin to cross promote other products that are related to this product. Perhaps the, the you know, the add to cart button isn't, uh, isn't the right size. They're allowing people to very clearly see what they should do next. So those actionable data points are really where the focus needs to be at the beginning and not being distracted by capturing anything that can be captured. There's almost a fear of missing out with data, isn't there? You think, I must be missing something. But what you're saying is be very focused about what you're looking for. Exactly. Because if you capture too much, it's going to be paralysis. You're, you're never going to get started because it's going to you're not going to know where to start. Um, so it's going to end up being counterproductive against you. Get started on a process of analyzing, getting something actionable from it and taking action. And once you get that framework going, once you get that cycle churning, and now what you're going to want at that point is, is you're going to want more data because you're going to want to feed that cycle and make it work faster and make it work harder. 
At that point, you can add in those additional data points uh, because now you know we have a process to say we're going to analyze it, we're going to gather these insights, we're going to drive experimentation, we're going to measure the results, and then we're going to start the cycle over again. And in your view, when you say, then we change things, do you separate creativity from the analysis or is it something you think the team should be working hand in glove on? I think they should work hand in glove. Data needs context. You, you see an interesting data point of someone may perhaps leaving a page or um, you know, not engaging with a particular piece of content. You've got to look at the page, you've got to look at the content, and you, you've got to get a sense of what people are actually seeing, right? Um, that's why there's a proliferation now of experience analytics tools that actually kind of show you what's happening on the experience. You can watch assessing recording. You can see how far down they're scrolling. How is the creative affecting that person's behavior? And then we can begin to theorize and say, okay, how do we adjust the creative to adjust behavior? And then of course we can measure the effect of that by looking at the data. You can't separate the two at all. They need to work hand in hand to do this. It's interesting because I do think sometimes marketing has split itself into two, the creatives and the data. It's a trend I've seen in some companies and you risk this them and us. Yeah, 100%. I think, and I think that's part of a throwback to, to old way of doing marketing, right? I think we, we try to organize this new way of marketing in the same way that we did the old way. And it used to be such a vision between kind of the, the IT, the technical people and the kind of the creative marketing people that we try to maintain that. And, and the modern marketer can't be like that. Of course, people are going to have their specialties, and that's fine. But you, you've got to understand, at least in context, multiple specialties to truly actively do your job. This has been a great overview. Thank you. Is there anything that listeners should be looking at if they've been inspired by you? What do, where do you recommend people start? I would focus on what, pe what people do after they click on the ad. Um, try to understand that path, that journey from the point they click on that ad all the way through the point of conversion, if they reach the point of conversion. Um, a lot of times marketers are caught by, by looking at advertising components and say, okay, we spent this much on advertising. It, you know, it, uh, it produced conversions at this cost. Okay, great. Let's spend more money on uh, advertising here and less money on advertising over here. And that's a very um, high level, um, too broad of a view of what's happening. You need to kind of understand what happens post-click um, because that's where people spend the majority of their time anyway. They only spend a few seconds interacting with an ad. They spend the overwhelming majority of their time um, and what happens after they click on that ad. Um, so think about the person who drives down uh, the street and sees a, a billboard that says, um, you know, clearance sale 50% off. And then they, they go to the store and they, they walk in the door and they're looking for, okay, you know, where are the shelves that have these items that are percent off and on clearance? And how frustrating would it be to see that to see that uh, that ad, that advertisement, that billboard, and then to walk in the store and not be able to find where these items are that were advertised at 50% that drew me to the store? Um, the smart store will have an, an immediate place, placement right up front that says, you know, go to aisle three and four for for the items that are 50% off and on clearance. Websites often don't do that. You're you're so right. It's so easy to forget that uh, you, you, we can sweat blood over getting an advert right, but actually, as you say, if you, you know, I interact with that for a split second. It's caught my eye and I click it, and it, the real story happens after that. That's what it's all about. Um, again, that's where people spend the majority of their time and, and energy and effort. And the thing is, and you gave the perfect example. If you clicked on it, something interests you. 
So, so you've got the hook. All you have to do is is complete the story. You know, continue telling them what it is about this particular product or service would be a value to them. And and so often that just becomes such an afterthought. And then we wonder why people convert at such low rates. Why it can be so frustrating to to be able to get um, return on on investment when it comes to advertising dollars. Why we end up just kind of spending more and more money, which ultimately is what the Googles and and Metas and um, and LinkedIn's of the world are trying to get us to do. They just want us to spend more money, <laughs> and we're making it very good for them because we're not focusing on the experience afterwards. We're just making advertising the solution to every problem. Shamir Devasu, co-founder of Smart Panda Lads, thank you so much for joining us and for giving us the benefit of your expertise. <laughs> thank you so much for having me today. The Cambridge Marketing Podcast from Cambridge Marketing College, training marketing and PR professionals across the globe.